0: For Arizona Public Media, I'm Mark McLemore, and this is an Encore edition of Arizona Spotlight. Coming up, a University of Arizona professor talks about ways to mitigate the psychological effects of living in the pandemic and listen to music and conversation with singer-songwriter John Coinman in a spotlight session. Those stories are next on Arizona Spotlight. The COVID-19 pandemic and the necessary measures needed to slow the spread of the disease are taking a psychological toll on individuals and our community as a whole. Daniel Sullivan is the director of the Cultural Existential Psychology Lab at the University of Arizona. He studies how culture influences the way people cope. Professor Sullivan suggests simple steps anyone can do to build resilience and strengthen support systems in this interview produced by Elisa Ivanitskaya.
1: People are trying to make sense of this uncertain, ambiguous threat and find some way to control it. People often respond in one of two ways. Some people become very anxious and look for ways to try to take control over the threat. So that might be engaging in sanitary practices or purchasing face masks or engaging in social distancing and self-isolating to extreme degrees. Other people may react to the threat by denying it and trying to continue to live their lives as before, going out in public, attributing responses to the threat to media hype.
0: One of the ways to avoid these extremes, Professor Sullivan says, is to focus on locally specific information.
1: What's important is to listen to the authorities and experts that are closest to your own community and try to focus on that local information. We can of course pay attention to the more global situation, but that might cause undue stress and might not end up being as relevant to the situation in our own immediate environment.
0: According to Sullivan, to assess the impact of the COVID-19 crisis, the continuity of the pandemic should be taken into account.
1: Some of the things that are very important in determining The stress people feel in longer-term crises are, on the one hand, the inherent uncertainty of the situation, so constantly being confronted with new information, never knowing when the situation is going to end or if it's ever going to end. This is very stressful for people, and it's very different from just an acute kind of crisis. Another feature of longer-term crises is that people are repeatedly forced to question their relationship with societal structures that are supposed to protect them. For example, governmental structures, public health institutions. So most of the time, most of us take these things for granted that they're keeping us safe because we don't rely on them very much. But when all of a sudden we're in these kinds of long-term crises, we're constantly paying attention to their responses. People may lose their sense of inherent trust in broader social structures.
0: Sullivan suggests that to maintain public trust, Authorities should be especially careful in what they say.
1: What I think is important is for responsible organizations, people like public health officials, people like government officials, to continually monitor the health and safety of their constituents, not just their physical health, but also their mental health as well, to report to them frequently and responsibly, to keep them informed, to be transparent in communication.
0: Professor Sullivan acknowledges that Tucson culture contains unique qualities.
1: People tend to be very extroverted and outgoing. So people like to be in public spaces. They like to have freedom of movement. They like to come together for cultural and artistic events. On the one hand, we're having to inhibit certain cultural tendencies that come naturally to us, and that can be a source of extra stress or anxiety. It's interesting to note how in Arizona, generally, people crowding uh, hiking spaces, because everyone's trying to simultaneously go outdoors and and experience nature, which is sort of creating an additional problem. But on the other hand, I think that a place like Tucson, there is a lot of pre-existing social capital. There are a lot of ties between groups in the community. So as long as we can continue to support each other and our local organizations in ways that many of us did prior to this crisis, if we can find new and creative ways of continuing to do that. I think the community uh, does have a fairly strong infrastructure that will help us weather the crisis.
0: Sullivan believes that creating a schedule can be helpful in maintaining psychological well-being.
1: It doesn't have to be necessarily a very rigid structure, but just a way to keep a pattern of activities going on a day-to-day basis if at all possible.
0: He also suggests some simple steps one can take to show support for others in our community.
1: Donating to schools or donating to food banks, trying to reach out to legislators to make sure that the needs of people in the community um, are being met, ensure that adequate attention is being provided to disadvantaged groups, such as the homeless. These are things that maybe most of us don't do them on a routine basis, and they might be more difficult to do. But we certainly have time on our hands to probably do some online research and think about ways that we can support some of these local organizations and support some of the most vulnerable populations.
0: In closing, he says the current pandemic will test the resilience of local communities and our national resolve.
1: It is very different from prior even instances of collective trauma, because really the whole system is being overwhelmed. On the one hand, this is really limiting our capacity to respond in ways that we typically would. Again, if we take the example of natural disasters, communities are often bolstered and protected in the early days of recovery by the sort of outpouring of support that they receive from other communities that haven't been impacted. And this is a situation where we're not getting that kind of support because everyone's being impacted simultaneously. Everyone's looking for the same resources. We're also learning lessons about how, as a country, we can respond to these national traumas. The exact lessons we're going to learn, I think, at this point, are still unclear.
0: Alisa Ivanitskaya interviewed Daniel Sullivan, director of the Cultural Existential Psychology Laboratory at the University of Arizona. In times of celebration and loss, it's natural for people to want to come together. The cancellation of most public gatherings this year has left a void that's hard to fill. For 35 consecutive years, the Tucson Folk Festival attracted artists and fans from around the world. Right now, all involved are hoping that next year, in April, it might be safe to resume. Singer-songwriter John Coynman estimates he's appeared at the Folk Festival at least 25 times during his decades as a solo performer and a member of his longtime friend Kevin Costner's band Modern West. We were lucky to have John Coinman come by the AZPM Studios last January to record some songs for a spotlight session.
2: This is for the innocent ones In the prison yards For the wayward sons And the battle scars This is for the wanderer, in the old cafe, for the lonely girl, in the runaways, oh, I remember long ago when you told me love is everywhere. Oh, I remember there were times I could almost feel it in the air And now it seems as if There's almost too much suffering For the world to bear And it seems as if so many of us Can't find love anywhere This is for the old ones Who are all alone For the refugees Who are far away from home This is for everyone Who is struggling to be free For us and in For you and me Oh I remember long ago When you told me love is everywhere I remember there were times I could almost feel it in the air seems as if there's almost too much suffering for the world to bear and it seems as if so many of us can't find love anywhere but i know it's there La la lie 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 lie, 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 lie la la oh I remember long ago you told me love is everywhere oh I remember there were times I could almost feel it in you Now it seems as if there's almost too much suffering for the world to bear, and it seems as if so many of us can't find love anywhere, but I know it's there.
0: What do you think that growing up in the Southwest has given you or added to what you do?
3: The Southwest is really cinematic. It's a beautiful country that way because it's so open. And the Southwest is not encumbered by trees and buildings and some parts of buildings, but in general, where I grew up in this little town in in New Mexico, Clayton, it was uh, right out on the Santa Fe Trail, the old Santa Fe Trail, right smack dab in the middle of it. And there was nothing around there except Rabbit Mountains, which was a a landmark for wagon trains that came through and for also uh, the Indian nations that we were pushing out. And so it's a world where you can really dream. It was a beautiful place to grow up because I could look out out of my window. We had a two-story house, and I could see all the way across town to the to the Great Plains. And I bought my first radio. Uh, it was a, a brown plastic dial radio, and it came to the house. It was shipped through Sears and Roebuck, and I could play music there and and dream about it. And uh, that's where I first heard Roy Orbison was there, and uh, and and hank williams and uh it was a place for a kid to to nurture whatever was growing in him and and music was was definitely there although it was not a part of my family and so so that's why uh, in the so the southwest has really inspired me inspiration is such a an ephemeral thing you know and and uh And it floats in and out of our lives, and that's very much like the wind in the Southwest. Inspiration is something that a lot of people don't ever pay any attention to. Their lives have never permitted it, or their parents or whatever have never permitted inspiration. Our culture doesn't nourish
0: inspiration. Well, that makes a perfect opportunity for me to ask you about the inspiration behind the next song that you're going to play.
3: Well, the next song I want to play is 41 Crosses, and it's off my second solo album. And it was inspired by a drive down to—we were headed down to the border and going through Three Points and Cells in the rain uh, to camp down in uh, Oregon Pipe National Monument. I had to have the lights on and the windshield wipers going. It was— It wasn't the summer, but it was close to it, and it was warm enough to have the window down and feel the rain coming through. And my son, who was only five or six at the time, was asleep in the passenger seat. Going down there, for all those folks who have driven down through sales, there's just hundreds of crosses alongside of the road. And uh, it's a powerful experience to see that because all those crosses are people who have died, whole families who have died there. (laughs)
2: <laughs> Windshield wipers be cutting across my view. I had to turn the headlights on in the the middle of the afternoon And there ain't no other Cars around Driving through the desert With my windows down And I saw 41 crosses On the road to cells drops dripping off Old church bells It looks like this road might never end Oh well Sometimes ain't Life just hell And there were flowers growing All along the road lots of beautiful horses with their heads down low and over on the mountain i saw a rainbow die reminds me just how fast life goes by and i saw 41 crosses on the road to cell stripping off old church bells. It looks like this road might never end. Oh, well, sometimes ain't. Life just son grow up from being just a little kid and I, I thought about my brother whose flame burned out I never wrote a song about him until now and I saw 41 crosses on the road to sell teardrops fall West. It looks like this road might never end. Oh, well.
3: That song is um, is also about my brother, and uh, I did a TEDx talk here in Tucson about the whole experience. That he was a pilot before Vietnam, and. Vietnam happened while he was still in college, and as soon as he got out he was he had to go he was in the navy and uh, and they expected him to go over and start bombing people and he couldn't do it on his last training mission off the Ticonderoga he crashed and 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 died and so people never really knew whether it was a Maybe a suicide or or what had happened, but he never had to go to war. And then I was drafted at the same time, and so as a result of him dying, I didn't have to go. Because of you know the, if you're the last remaining son of a family whose other son had died in a war, you didn't have to go to war. So, basically, um, I was uh, freed from having to go fight because my brother died. So it was a it was a weird thing. I was teaching uh, high school and college at the time in California. And so I just quit and decided I was going to be a songwriter, a musician. Went on the road and joined a folklore group in Kentucky and traveled around and never looked back.
0: Despite the tragedy, it was a gift. It
3: was a real you. gift. So the 41 Crosses song is all about that gift.
0: When you perform, do you like to tell people the story behind the songs, or do you want the songs to speak for themselves? That's
3: a good question, because uh, because I used to never talk about the songs much, because I didn't think people were interested. I've been through so many incarnations. I mean, I started out as a folk singer, and then I had a uh, country-type band of playing all my songs. And then I had a country rock type band playing other songs, and then I had a whole band full of some wild new wave stuff. And then when I moved to L.A., I I formed another band that was just a trio with a a drummer, a keyboard player, and myself on electric guitar. I got involved with uh, when I was living in L.A. with Kevin Costner. He always wanted to be a musician, and I had always wanted to be an actor. And uh, And our paths crossed while we were making a movie, and we ended up playing music together. And uh, so in a lot of ways, when, when, uh, when I would write for the band, I would be writing for him rather than writing for me.
0: Well, in that process, were you thinking of writing for Kevin Costner, the actor? In other words, did you feel a freedom to give him a character or to give him a role in the song? that would be different than something you would write if you were intending to do it?
3: That's a really complicated question. (laughs) 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 Because of needing to develop a persona on stage, he had to assume the persona of some of my songs because that's how it started, particularly in the second incarnation of the band. And so he, in many respects, became me on stage and told the stories that I tell now, but as if they were his. And it was a perfectly understandable, legitimate, and appropriate, and interesting thing to do. Because he is an amazing performer live and can stand in front of 30,000 people and tell them an intimate story, and they'll listen to him because he has that gift. We don't play 41 crosses. This next song that I want to play is something that we play in, in the band with Kevin. But with Kevin, we play a rock version of it, and I play a more intimate version of it. Uh, the song is called, Hey Man, What About You? We play a really high-powered rock version, and a lot of times we finish off our shows with Kevin Costner and Modern West with this song. But when I wrote it, I wrote it when I was living in L.A., and it was right after the riots in uh, 92, 91, 92? The song emerged out of there, but I don't have any memory of writing it, which is a really interesting thing. But it's lived, for, for me, it's lived all these years, and I still love to play it. So here it is.
2: Well, I can remember the places I stayed, things that I did, and the ways I behaved. The women I loved, the words that I said, like a dream passing through. The causes I had, the corners I turned, the friends that I left, and the bridges I burned. They were part of a pace, a rhythm of life that will no longer do. my way through the turns and the bends I have been waiting for life to begin for something to do something to hold that was bigger than I but whatever I did it was never enough and wherever I stood I was still out of touch like a man in the dark Following sparks through an ebony sky Hey, man, what about you? Something has happened to me Has it happened to you? And to my own heart, I have tried to be true Hey, man, what about you? Like it or not, I have come to this place With the past in my heart And the wind in my face And a son who was born On the eve of a war of reckless design And with my knees on the earth And my ear to the ground What I thought was the truth It was only a sound Of a shot in the wind The beginning, my friend Of these desperate times Hey, man What about you? Something has happened to me Has it happened to you? And to my own heart, I have tried to be true. Hey, man. Hey, hey, man. What about you?
0: We just heard John Coinman. His latest album is called Under the Sun. You can listen to the music featured in this Spotlight session and hear a bonus song called Brothers on the Run at azpm.org. The music was recorded and mixed by Jim Blackwood in the AZPM Radio Studio. Thank you for listening to Arizona Spotlight. This show originates from the AZPM Radio Studios. AZPM's interim news director is Duncan Moon. The music is by Calexico. The production engineer is Jim Blackwood. Production assistance from Elisa Ivanitskaya. I'm producer and host, Mark McLemore. Arizona Public Media's original programming is made possible in part by the Community Service Grant from the Corporation for Public Broadcasting.